0: So it's the 3rd of October, 2021. We see that the monastic rains retreat of this year has passed over two months already, or almost two and a half months. And in about 17 days, it will be the end of this rains retreat. The days, the nights, they passed by very quickly. And this world is constantly revolving, it's spinning on its own axis, and it's also revolving around the sun as well, and it goes very quickly. So for us, having been born, if we don't work to develop our minds, then it's likely that nothing will be better within our minds. And they'll just follow all of these moods and sense impressions that they experience. Whenever they receive any, then they chase after them like this. And then if we get born again into the next life, and perhaps we won't meet with the teachings of the Buddha in that life. And then we won't know the path to freedom from suffering. We'll just be following all of our feelings, all of our emotions. The greed, the hatred, delusion within our hearts will always be dragged along by those. <clears throat> but if we do try to train these minds, always trying to make them better, doing this every single day, then things do improve. And so we can contemplate, for example, use our mindfulness and contemplation to know this body. To see this body as being a heap of elements, as being empty, or as being something unattractive. And we can use this as contemplation, the unattractiveness of the body as our main meditation object and main uh, point of reflection. And we normally see these bodies as being something beautiful, because all we see, all we look into, is the external things. And our own bodies we have attraction towards as well. There's something that we find pleasurable. And even though they may not be all that beautiful, there's still a liking towards them. There's still this feeling that I am beautiful, this body is beautiful. There's this delight in this collection of earth, water, fire, and air. But if we reflect upon this well, well, we'll see that this heap of elements um, when a virus or bacteria gain entry into it then it's of the nature to break apart, of the nature to decay. And if that virus or bacteria that we have is contagious then no one will want to get anywhere near us, no one will want to come close because they are afraid of getting that themselves. And so these bacteria and viruses and they appear within this body or they come to this body. And so we can contemplate this body as being the residence of all illnesses, the residence of all bacteria, even these contagious diseases, they reside within this body. It's the place, the birthplace of all sickness. So we contemplate in this way. If we look at bodies and we see the external parts and there's liking, there's delight towards that that arises, we can use our wisdom so that we don't get too deluded in that. There may be attachment there, but we should try to make sure it's not, we're not too attached. And then we need to cultivate these minds so that they gain wisdom. So being born into this life, um, the best use that we can make of that, the highest goal that we can set, is that of training these hearts of ours. And if we don't cultivate and develop these hearts, then they'll be following their ignorance and craving and clinging. And this pulls us into suffering. And this happens each lifetime we suffer in this way. And we've all been born so many times already, for countless lifetimes. And in each and every life we've suffered in this way. The lives that we were born as animals, then we suffer even more than we do as humans. Or if the times that we have fallen lower than that, into the states of woe, then there's great suffering there. And we've all passed through this already. We've all passed through hell and the realm of the hungry ghosts and the asuras and the animal realm. And it's very torturous. There's great suffering there. And being born as a human, there's a lot of suffering already. But in the realms lower than this, it's even more suffering. It's just we can't remember it We can't remember that great agony, that torment that we have experienced. So we can reflect on this, that birth gives rise to suffering in this way. We gain a body, and then it needs to break apart. It needs to grow old, get sick, and die. And before it passes away, there's a lot of suffering um, in that death process. So we need to contemplate this before the body dies, before it breaks, before it ceases. And ask what that suffering is like, what kind of suffering will we be experiencing. And then we use our mindfulness to contemplate this body so the wisdom arises. And then that wisdom can give rise to samadhi within the hearts. And when the mind is gathered into a state of samadhi and there's inner peace, then we contemplate to give rise to even more wisdom. And so we do it like this. We carry on in this way, training ourselves in this manner. And always being collected, composed, and cautious as well. And putting in our efforts into this composure and caution. Being collected in our body and speech. This is sila, this is virtue. Having kindness and compassion for one another. Not harming any being. So we can see that when people have wealth, they have possessions, then they love those things. They uh, have a fondness towards those things. And all people have others, those are close to them, who they love. We all have possessions that we hold dear to us. Our money in these days, our cell phones, our homes, our orchards or fields. And these days many problems can arise within these things and the things that we love and the people that we love. Many problems can come up within our families and between mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and children, between friends and more distant relatives and problems coming up in our societies. And there's this conflict over these four elements fighting over earth, water, fire, and air, fighting over these bits of nature. So this is what our conflicts are mostly about, um, fighting for food or squabbling over land or over water or over um, oil. And so there's this competition, competing in this conflict, but well, we need to make sure that we don't get involved in this and we don't take the wealth of others. And if we abstain from that, then these problems won't come up. So this precept of uh, dina Dhana of not taking the possessions of others, of not stealing, is very important. And these days there's also intellectual property as well that we need to be cautious about and not steal that. And so we have this kindness, compassion towards one another, the sense of sacrifice as well. And if we have things, then we can give a portion of those to others. We can be generous in this way. And by acting like this, then our societies are able to stay on. People are able to live in them in happiness. But in order for this to happen, there needs to be this foundation of sila first whether it's the five precepts, or the eight, the ten, or the 227 precepts that we stay, that we keep. And through keeping these, then humans can live together through kindness. And then we come to training these minds, because being generous and having virtues is something that's very important. And and it's important because, for the most part, for us, samādhi isn't something that's with us constantly. <clears throat> it's only here at certain times. And then when we receive sense impressions and moods from others, then greed, hatred, and delusion can at times come up um, very strong. So we need to bring up this quality of sīla, of virtue, first. And even though we may want to shout or to insult We don't do that because we're keeping Sīla. So therefore this quality of Sīla, of virtue, is that which looks after and cares for our hearts. We have this kindness, this compassion, and we have truthfulness as well. And we don't take the other people's loved ones, we don't steal them. And so we have this quality of of trustworthiness, of truthfulness, of being upright, and we don't get our bodies drunk on alcohol either. You see that all people who are born, they all want goodness, they all want truth. So we shouldn't harm each other through our actions or through our words, and not even through social media. We don't harm each other through any means. And by acting in this way, then we are virtuous people. So in previous times, uh, keeping sila, it meant not harming others through body and speech, right? But in this present day, we also need to be cautious around the social media, around new technology as well. And really, the reason that people in this world are so stirred up why there's states of chaos, is because the members of our societies, they don't keep sila. But when we do, when we are virtuous and when we're generous, then this leads to peace. And it makes our practice of meditation easier because we have this intention to be virtuous. And so then we come to meditate, to cultivate samadhi. And even though having mindfulness and developing samadhi is something that's quite difficult, it's also of immense value. But it's not something that we can get easily. And all good things are difficult to get. But even though they're hard, they're something that we can do. And if we really go for it, if we really try to overcome the obstacles, then we can do it we can get it, we can succeed, if we set our hearts on it. So in having mindfulness, the sati is quality of recollection, and there's also sampajanya, uh, this clear comprehension as well. And these are two qualities which are very skillful. We can look even deeper than that into all of the states of the mind and all the different mind objects and their various forms. Uh, But this is going too deep. All we really need to know is that these are skillful qualities. They arise and cease. And they are these qualities of the mind um, that are helpful. So even though they arise and cease, they give us great benefit. And they allow for other skillful qualities to arise as well. And so, there's great benefits that come from sati and sampajanya. So, when we recollect in this way, then the mind becomes peaceful with this foundation of virtue. And if there's an unskillful intention that comes up to steal, for example, then mindfulness appears and it tells us, well, that's not good. If you do that, then you may go to jail and you'll harm others as well. This will be a cause of suffering. And then Sampajanya comes up and it says, it's better not to do it, we won't do that. And so this Dhamma, it appears within the heart and it tells us it's better not to act in this way, it's better not to do this. So when our mindfulness is there, then wisdom arises. And this can help us to keep our sila well like this. But it's very difficult, the stage of the practice, the developing of mindfulness and of samadhi. But it's also not something that is beyond our capabilities. If we set our hearts on it, if we really try to get it, if we um, do that, then we will have to get it. Because we all have a goal for this life, this goal of nibbāna of attaining to Nibbāna, of knowing the Dhamma, of seeing the Dhamma. And so we really have to go for it. We have to set our hearts on it. We have to be focused so that we reach that goal. We need to bring up this enthusiasm and encouragement within our hearts and really focus, really be sincere. Having mindfulness over the body and the feelings and the mind and Dhamma and using our wisdom to seek out uh, this Dhamma, to be reflecting and investigating, investigating the various qualities, looking into cause and effect, studying things in this way, analyzing things. And in the end, through doing this, we will understand. We'll understand whatever issue or any topic we bring up. We'll gain a clear understanding of that. So we shouldn't just toss out our efforts or our energy in this practice. An effort is something that's really important. And so is kanti, this forbearance. So people who are very rich, who have gained a lot of wealth, or actors, or musicians, who are famous and very skilled, they've all become that way because of their sincerity, because of really putting their hearts into it. And so these things, they depend upon training. They depend on cultivation in order to get there. So for us, we set our hearts on this, in these places of practice that we're in. Or maybe we're practicing at home. We really take it for real. We focus on this, bringing up our efforts, our energy. Because what we have now, in terms of our possessions, it's enough already. So we should work on these hearts, making sure they're not scattered and chaotic. Try to speak little and chant a lot always establishing mindfulness constantly. And in the end, the mind will come to peace. But it can take time. For myself, before I ordained, I would uh, take up this practice of dhāna of generosity. I'd keep the precepts, and I'd meditate as well. But when I sat down to meditate, I would use thinking first. I'd bring up wisdom initially. So there's one time that I had donated some blood, and so I contemplated this blood. And I could understand how the blood there that I donated, that was outside of my body, that this was not me or mine. But the blood still within my body, I still felt like this belonged to me, that it wasn't separate from me in any way. But I carried on contemplating this, And even so, wisdom didn't arise. I still took all of that blood inside the body as being me. My mind believed this. And this was because Avijja ignorance had been teaching my mind this for a very long time already, instructing my mind, telling it that these, these things belong to you, right from the time that I was born. And so it's natural then that the mind attaches to these things. I tried to tell my mind that this blood, it's not me, it doesn't belong to me, but it just didn't work. Because each minute of this life that I had lived, each um, hour, each day, each month, each year, I had taken all of these things to be myself throughout all of that time. And so how many minutes, how many days was that? It was a very long time. So then we have to practice uh, for this knowledge. Oh, sorry. And when I started out practicing, then I had heard that having a self, attaching to a self, is the cause for suffering to arise. And the suffering comes up within the heart. And this causes all of these kind of stirred up emotions It causes inner heat. It causes jealousy and hate. It causes greed to come up. And the mind then thinks on these emotions. And it doesn't know a sense of enoughness. And this is a lot of suffering, isn't it? So this suffering, it appears within the hearts of all people. It doesn't discriminate between those who have a lot or have a little, those who are wealthy or poor those who have big mansions or just very small houses, or those who ride bicycles or motorbikes or cars. It doesn't discriminate in this way that all people suffer. So for us, we should try to train these minds to use wisdom to contemplate and to try to bring the minds to peace. So we can look at this breath, for example, the in-breath, the out-breath, and this can calm our minds down. And slowly our minds and our practice improve steadily, little by little. And in the end, they will reach a state of peace. And then when the mind is peaceful, then we can teach it, and it will believe what we're saying, because this quality of wisdom is there. We can tell our minds that these bones, they're not me, and the mind will believe. And so the various bones that we have in this body, in our hands, in our arms, in our legs, our ribs, well, they're not self, are they? And how could they be a self? And so the bones in the left foot and in the right foot, the bones in the left leg, the right leg, how could all of these be me? But before we take them to be a self, we take them to be me. But if all of these bones are me, then how many selves do I have? And how is it possible for this um, to happen? How is it possible for there to be so many selves? And what about others as well? Are these bones any different from others? Is this body different from others? Well, they're not. Even animals have bones, too. And so therefore, this is all just a collection of natural elements. And when we see this, then wisdom arises. And So when this wisdom arises, and then the mind comes into peace, and then when it settles into peace, then we come back and we contemplate again, and this understanding becomes steadily clearer. And so we should really do this, really try to do this. And we keep practicing and the next our knowledge, our insight will become clearer and clearer until eventually we know and see the Dhamma. And so may you set your hearts on this.